But in 2021, 2021, at the candlelight service right here, I said it was time for me to abandon Charlie Brown and move on. I, did you know that there were people that were making bets about how many times I'd say certain things that Charlie Brown said? And I thought, well, then I'm causing evil. So I decided, okay, no more Charlie Brown. Well, I did watch the Charlie Brown special. I've only seen it who knows how many times. And, uh, and I, I really can't help myself. I mean, there's, I've got this thing permanently on com my computer at this time of year with Charlie Brown asking the question and all of that kind of thing. And I've even memorized the, uh, what Linus had to say and all of that. And uh, so I, I really can't help myself. So maybe this will be the last year. <laughs> so... The Charlie Brown special is very special. It's a, I think it's a God thing. Fifty years ago, the CBS didn't want to show it, but, but Charles Schultz said, uh-uh, we're showing it. And the, the clip where Charlie Brown asks about Christmas has been shown and watched more times than any other song clip anywhere. It's quite amazing. And so it, it all starts out, you, you all, most of you all have seen it many times, it all starts out with Charlie coming on sort of the, coming into the picture, and he says a little bit without a lot of uh, angst yet, he says, I guess I don't know what Christmas is all about. And then he turns around and he said, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And then Lioness comes up and faces him straight on, and he says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then he walks onto the stage, and as he walks onto the stage, he gives the impression there's a big audience, but you can't see it. He looks out, and he says, lights, please. And one spotlight comes right on him. And he's, he, he right away starts, it's, it's in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, he starts out in the King James Version of the Bible, and he says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I love that. They were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which is to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. He's talking to them. Uh, uh, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, I love the suddenlies in the Bible. I've said many times you should make a study of every place the word suddenly comes up. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, like an army of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace and goodwill toward men. <clears throat> and it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. You can almost feel the hurry. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad, obviously meaning everywhere, the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now that's a a verse or so past what Linus said, but then he came back out and he says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So let's spend just a few minutes examining what Linus actually said, what he, uh, what he had said on that stage. And so we're starting back at verse 8 again. I'm going to stick to the King James Version because he did and, uh, and then explain it. And so just listen carefully. You know, you probably know the words better than I do. But verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So the king of glory has been birthed already when they were in the field. And the only visitors to the new birth will be shepherds. Angels visited these shepherds who, as far as the culture was concerned, were considered unreliable. They would be unable to observe ceremonial law. The shepherds couldn't leave their sheep. They were forbidden to give testimony in law courts. And it's possible, even probable, I think it's so, that these particular shepherds were tending to the flocks used for the temple offerings. What a thought. Those taking care of the temple lambs were the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So these shepherds did not enjoy favored people status of the day. Nevertheless, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore Afraid. Terrified is the right word, the most modern translations. And, and the verse 10 says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, shepherds, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, the first thing I want to say here is that uh, we're to notice that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus, has great joy. Uh, This is to be characteristic of those of us who are saved by the blood of the Lamb. In uh, Peter's, one of his epistles, one of his letters, the apostle Peter wrote these words, 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him... You love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious, anybody know the next word? Joy. 
inexpressible and glorious joy. This joy is deeply rooted. It satisfies. It lasts and even keeps on increasing to God's glory. And then in the next verse, verse 12, it reads this way, and this shall be a sign unto you, the angel speaking to the, to the shepherds, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, in a manger. Now, other babies might have been born that night also, but only one will be lying in a feeding trough. Probably what had happened is that since there was no room any place, this idea of the innkeeper and all that, that's not in the Bible any place, they were uh, going from place to place to find a place to stay, and uh, so they couldn't find a place, and somebody offered them their sort of shed at the end of their house. It's sort of like we have garages full of junk. They had sheds full of, uh, of uh, uh, some animals that they would keep and would be turned out into the daytime. And, and it wasn't really private, uh, and it certainly wasn't hospital level, but that's where Jesus was born. It doesn't go into the, the whole idea of exactly what happens when a woman has a child and all that, and I'm not going to do that, but here he was born, and he's put in this feeding trough. It was literally a place for animals to feed. No doubt they had cleaned it the best they could, but that's what the shepherds were about to see. And then it says in verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. It's like a heavenly army appearing with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I've often tried to think about this because I love the singing of our worship team, but they were saying this. And I have to believe that these multitude of angels, don't have any idea how many, but a lot, were saying it just perfectly together. And, you, and in a sense, in tune, even though they weren't singing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. I mean, what a contrast here. There was peace in the land at this time in, in history. It was called the Pax Romanus. But this peace, the angels are claiming, is not caused by armies or politicians but by God. This is the peace of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that reconciliation has come to everyone who believes they are sinners and that Jesus is the Savior who died for our sins. The cross and all of that means, the birth, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ brings eternal peace to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. And then in verse 15, it says, and it came to pass... As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another. Now, to read this properly, you have to really see the sense of urgency. Think of all that has happened. We don't know how much time has gone by here, and they, were, they don't either, I'm sure. They're so amazed at all this, and they've been t totally terrified at one point, and they're hearing all of these things, and then finally these things all stop, and it goes away. And in a way, it's quiet. And I see the way I see it, I see them looking around at one another and trying to figure out what to do. And uh, then they started uh, talking to one another. 
Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste. They hurried, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, this whole scene, they made known abroad. I like that saying, known abroad. It reminds me of the, Jesus' last thing he told us is that we're to go abroad <laughs> everywhere to tell about Jesus. They made known abroad everywhere they went as they were going back to the sheep and all of this, the saying which was told them concerning this child, what the angel had said. And all they that heard it, all the people in the town, all the people around that were there, all they that heard it wondered at those things which, they were, which were told them by the shepherds. They wondered about these things. Now, the only thing I want to say about these verses is that if I really believe that Jesus is God and the only way to heaven, why would I not tell everyone about Jesus as these shepherds did. Now, Mary, her, here, here's how she reacted, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things. Now, now when we say all these things, that's, it's more than what we just read about. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I mean, for the last year of her life, I mean, can you even imagine? I mean, just try to imagine it. A teenage girl is visited by an angel and told she will birth the Messiah while remaining a virgin. Her husband-to-be decides to divorce her. An angel convinces him she will birth the Messiah. Then late in her pregnancy, she makes a difficult trip to Bethlehem and mostly alone, there's no idea anybody else is there except Joseph, she births this child with only a cattle trough to lay him in. And then a group of shepherds of all people arrive and tell her that God told them that Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah, what angel had told Mary. <laughs> It's an understatement. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Of course she did. She pondered all these things in her heart. And then in verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned to the flocks, glorifying and praising God. You know, true salvation always has worship. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, Luke was writing this gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke, he was a doctor, medical doctor, and a follower of Jesus, of course. So he was writing this gospel, the story of Jesus, so that the things that have been taught to the believers would be verified as true. And any true lover of Jesus could be certain of what they had come to believe. So the Gospel of Luke starts with these words. Luke chapter 1, first two verses. Luke writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been 
fulfilled among us. So in saying those words, he's saying that, you know, all of these things that have happened, the things that we've just read about, the things you read about this morning and talked about, the things that we teach all the time, they've, uh, there's many people have been witnesses to these things. So therefore, what they did, they have written them down. And I, Dr. Luke, who is a first-rate historian, have decided to put together a book called, we call the Book of Luke, uh, some scrolls uh, to show the account, the account of the things that have been fulfilled, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. So he's given them something that they can have solid to believe in in that sense. So that is why we are reviewing the story of Jesus, so that we can be certain of what we believe, just as God has told us in our Bibles. Now, the last time I taught these verses, I spent considerable time offering proof that the Bible, all 66 books, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Greek Scriptures, the Hebrew Scriptures, are inspired by God and proven true over the last 2,000 plus years. That is precisely why we here at Calvary Chapel teach every word of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We started again uh, recently in the Wednesday service, and we're going through the book of Genesis, and then we're just going to keep going. Uh, study the Bible, <clears throat> and you will soon come to the conclusion that it is truly God-inspired and completely accurate in all that is written in it. There are no, no other religious writings, none, that can match up to the clear historical accuracy found, especially in Bible prophecy and in Bible history. So now we'll go to one further verse than, than Linus spoke of. Verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, Jesus, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before, before he was even conceived. And so they would have taken the trip into the temple and uh, he was circumcised. Now, the name of Jesus is the point of everything. There's no salvation in any other name. Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world. He was born in poverty, rejected in adulthood, and crucified on a cross. He rose from the dead and is today in heaven praying for us and still saving anyone who calls on his name. The reason for the Christmas story is that we are all sinners and therefore unqualified to enter heaven. There are many religions that say that if you are religious or good, whatever that means, then maybe you're probably or hopefully you will get to heaven. So God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world, to die for our sins on the cross and then rise from the dead as proof God is pleased with us. In John's gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, to all who believed in Jesus and accepted Jesus, he, Jesus, gave the right to become children of God. Doesn't matter who you are. All we have to do is admit we're sinners and say, you know, 
Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I'm a sinner. I give my life to you. And supernaturally, God will change your life. And then in John chapter 14, verse 6, these are the words of Jesus, and they're very important words. This is something he actually said. Jesus said, I am the way. Now, the definite article is the important word here, the way, meaning the only way. I am the truth, the only truth. Truth is incredibly important. Truth is being pushed away these days. Every place you look, and people are doing, they, people say things like, well, I have my truth, you have your truth. No, there's one truth, and we learned some, in this morning's service, we learned that God put that ability to know that truth into all of our lives. So he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I'm the only way, I am the uh, only truth, and the only life. No one can go to heaven. No one can come to the Father except through me. I mean, that's an incredible statement. If it's not a true statement, then Jesus is a wacko. Is that a good word to use in a sermon? I'm not sure. But he certainly uh, wouldn't be someone you would care about. God not only provided a way, but provided the means for us to know him and obey him and live a flourishing life of hope and faith and love. The church is God's family made up of those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. The purpose of the church is to help us to grow spiritually and love one another practically as we live our lives now and forever in the presence of God our Father who sent Jesus to save us spiritually. Now, with all that in mind, Merry Christmas becomes a shout of victory. No accident or disease, no person or circumstance can keep us from our final destiny because God will keep everyone who loves Jesus through all of life's troubles and pleasures and then welcome us home forever. So one final closing point. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, we read these words. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? You understand what he's saying, don't you? The, the, Paul is saying, how can anybody anywhere in the world call on Jesus if, if they don't know him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard of him? What if they never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how, can, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? <clears throat> that is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Now, let me just say this. When I arrived in the United States in the uh, very early uh, 1980s, and um, almost every American, it was known, went to a religious service of some kind. And there's a group of people called the nuns, not N-U, but N-O. No ones, nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And back in, in the early 80s, uh, the statistics told us, and they're kind of easy to prove, that 3% of Americans are nuns. So 3% of Americans never go to any religious service in, the, in a whole year in the 1980s. In the early 2000s, <clears throat> down to about 2014 was the, the statistic, 
the nuns had gone from 3% to 20%. And I watched a reliable program recently about this, a religious program, and I think you could trust uh, what they had to say. And now the nuns are 30% and rising. And the reason I read what I read in Romans was to say that Jesus said to us that we're to go abroad like the, and tell everybody. That's, he, that's, they told everybody as they were going back to their sheep. He didn't tell them to quit being shepherds or to even move to another place. He just said, every place you go, wherever you are, tell everyone you can. And in the culture that we live in today in America and around the world, the message of Jesus is absolutely the only hope that there is for the world. And so we must live our lives with Jesus as Lord, and we must tell as many as we can. And you don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to have taken the evangelism course that we had. You don't have to do any of those. All those things are very helpful. But we just have to tell them about our own life and how we were saved and how they can be saved. It's very simple. And so Lioness is saying to us, that is what Christmas is all about. Charlie and Mary and Valerie and Gabe and, and all of us. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time together where we can remember in a very unique way what it means to be a Christian. And you have already said to us that we are the light of the world. We're the light of the world. And uh, that that light shining, that meaning our lives shining, can tell, help us to tell and show the real light of the world who is Jesus himself. He's the light that came to earth. And so, Father, he's left us behind with the great commission to go into all the world and uh, tell everybody about Jesus Christ and disciple them. And so, Father, help us to think about that as we're remembering the wonderful salvation that Jesus procured for us from the most humble beginnings to the most horrific way to die, to the resurrection, <clears throat> to him praying for us in heaven and his soon return. In Jesus' name, amen.